Hello and welcome to VodkaCast for the 8th and 9th weeks of the fall uh, summer 2017 anime season. It's it's almost September, I want to say fall, so no, sorry. You, no, you want it to be 70 degrees outside. Wow. Uh, I mean, it's not that bad right now, but yeah, that would be nice. Um, though honestly, considering some other weather that's been happening over the country, can't really complain. Nope. Uh... Yeah, so, uh, as always, I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Ben. Yo. Larry. Uh-huh. And my dear, sweet friend, Aaron, uh, who I go to great lengths to... It, it Every time, it kills me, because I want to put these things in chronological order. Aaron's like, no, put them at the front so I can go home early. And by go home early, I mean so he can close Skype and then start playing FF14 or whatever. No, recently I've been playing The Letter. It's a real good visual novel. Oh, okay. Alright. I just want you to know how much it hurts me to put it in some sort of random bullshit order. Uh It's not my fault. Don't blame me. Anyway... uh, As always, you can find show notes at www.audioentropy.com Dot com and also projecttarhi.net most Y'all, days let's let's talk about actually question Aaron did you ever did you bother watching Castlevania no I didn't god damn it what do I even pay you for uh, I'm pretty sure you don't pay me first of all <laughs> yeah exactly then this is why because I can't even expect anything from you um I mean I could have told you that <laughs> all right so so we will okay we'll talk about castlevania last as i originally put it uh so let's talk about princess principle episodes seven through eight instead where eight reveals okay i can't talk about eight yet well i was well, I right really want to, but i can't talk about it yet let's talk about seven i was right <laughs> yeah I, I can't remember i can't remember the prediction you made larry but i will i will take you at your word Yes, he can gloat when we talk about episode eight. Uh, yes, okay, thank you very yeah. much. We will, we will give him time to gloat when that yeah. happens. In the, meantime, so, in the meantime, in episode seven, uh, our heroes take over a laundromat. Yeah, they become <laughs> entrepreneurs. Small, uh, bi- huh? small, small business women. <laughs> I freaking love the opening introduction. Yeah, it was... The the first couple minutes of this episode is, and not even the first two minutes, like the first one minute is maybe one of the best first minutes of any show this season. Uh, and simply because of Ange, tr- Ange creating a cover that is extremely elaborate and Dorothy being... Aren't you going a little overboard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even Beatrice is like, "Whoa, that's elaborate." Yeah. Like, uh, and, and I don't think you need to create that deep of a cover. It'll be yeah. All right. So, the the whole premise behind why they're doing this is because like there's some sort of serial killer going around who's like putting poison on people's clothes or whatever. No, he's using poison Wait, no. gas. Right, he's using poison gas, but the poison gas is getting on his clothes, so that way if they can find the poison gas on the clothes, they can find the murderer. Uh, and that's why they're doing laundry now. 
Uh, and so uh, the vast majority of this episode is essentially a character study. It's not even, it barely even has anything to do with an actual plot line. It's just the girls inter, it's just the spies interacting with all the women at the laundromat. Uh, and like seeing that this laundromat is just a complete garbage crap show out of like a good Dickensian novel. Uh, <laughs> And then basically working to make everything better so that way all their friends don't have burn wo- burn wounds on their arms anymore. Let's see, yeah, you remember that old Stephen King story, The Mangler? They turned it they turned it into a, mo- into a movie. I am actually not familiar with that one, and like <laughs> though given what you brought up, I think I can guess what it's about. Yeah, it, yeah, it's basically about uh, yeah one of the machines at a one of the machines at a laundromat basically turns into a monster and like mangles people. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that's sounds basic. right. Yeah, I was about to say so it's like evil industrial machinery and yeah, uh, yeah. So like honestly, I was a lot more entertained by this episode than I thought it would be, considering how seemingly pointless it all is yeah. in the larger scheme of things. Not only um, that, but once they finally do get to the like the reveal when they find his jacket, he just shows up and then they take him out uh, in the course of yeah. like one minute. Yeah, that's the hilarious thing is like they find it out, and on the exact same day, like he ri- he realizes that they're about to find out, and so he go he just goes there. <laughs> yeah, but you you missed one of the more interesting parts is where the princess buys the laundromat. Yeah, yeah, so the princess buys out the laundromat, and, like, they rearrange all the machinery to make it, uh... More efficient. More efficient, and, like, they fix everything. And, yeah, basically, even though this episode is ostensibly about finding a serial killer, it's actually about making a bunch of working-class women actually like their lives again, instead of them being horribly mistreated. This episode was just so good. Yeah. I, like yeah, like I, the princess buying the thing and she's like, you don't really have enough money to buy the thing. Nope. And then later it goes to the uh, the control and they're like, so the princess submitted a uh, request for money to buy the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I like this episode way more than I ever thought I would if you told me that the premise was the girls buy a laundromat. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, good job, Princess <clears throat> Principal, for continuing to be way better than you honestly deserve to be. No. Uh, given your premise. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's is that the thing is is that premises premises come and go, but what uh, okay, ma- yeah. what matters is the execution. And this show has yeah. been executing extremely well yeah i was i was being a little facetious there what i sort of meant was that typically when you have a show that has this premise it is the laziest thing ever because they're just expecting people to buy the dvds because there's hot women in it but like these writers actually care yeah like the initial premise was like cute girls in high school during cute spy stuff yeah, it's like, it's like oh, oh, great, yeah, this is going to be garbage, but okay, I guess it'll be probably funny for an episode. It's like, oh, wait, this is maybe one of the best episodes, this is one of the best seasons, 
series in the season. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. yeah. Somehow. Somehow. So good job, everyone. I just uh, <laughs> like the beginning. <laughs> the beginning of the episode just showcases how bad everyone, except for Ange, is at being a spy. Because yeah. because of their made up names, Beatrice is Becky. Dorothy is yeah. Dorothea. <laughs> uh, I can't remember what that Asian chick's name is. Uh, uh, I think G- it's Chica. Oh, Chica, something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it becomes Chaco. Yeah. And then Princess becomes Priscilla. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're not even trying! No, not really. That's not I mean, honestly, they don't, honestly, they don't even seem to need to because their opponents are all e- extremely dumb, apparently. So Well... <laughs> Yeah, it, well, that's the thing is that it shows that yeah, the, like the you know the the like the owners the the old owners of the laundromat are yeah not exactly not exactly motivated to you well, know, do any serious background checks. Yeah, yeah, they're they're wanting live warm bodies. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I give this episode a five. Yeah, oh, yeah. five. Let's talk about episode eight. We also did get uh, Chaco uh, fighting the dude with a iron. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yep. That was pretty good. Uh, then we have episode eight. So, Larry, uh, I'll just hand it over to you so you can go for a bit. No, I kind of figured that the swap had already taken place, and <clears throat> what do you know? I was right. Well, well, yeah, so that, was, that's what it, was given to us at the end of the second episode, Larry. <laughs> well, no, but here's the thing: is that we what we find out is it wasn't just a swap; it was a double swap because Ange is actually the real princess. Well, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't a. That's just one swap. No. So no, what I, because what happened right during the second episode was that uh, everyone thought that Ange, the spy, was pretending to be the princess and then swapped back. Or at least that's what I was uh, No, at the, ver- uh, at the very end of the episode, when there was the, the, the uh, conversation between Ange and princess, where it was yeah. revealed that she was the princess and uh, the yeah. princess was Ange. Yeah, because... That was the, the only pr- swap. Yeah, the princess actually... The princess refers to... Calls Ange Charlotte. Uh, okay, so for some reason I thought there was another swap that occurred. No. No. No, it like, what, for, the, the, what it was was that in the... Okay, for most of episode two, they're planning to swap Ange for the princess, but it turns out by the end of the episode they didn't need to do that because they're just getting the princess to work with them. Um, but then it turns out... But then the, the twist was at the end of episode two, you know, when, Anne, when, the, when the princess calls Ange Charlotte... You realize that actually, Ange was really the princess the whole time, and we're, we we still didn't know at the time what was up with the what, what was up with the princess. You know. Yeah, we knew that they had already switched places. Right, but we in just this didn't episode, know how. yeah, but in this episode, we find out like actually okay. how the swap happened. All right, so I, I took a completely different message from the second episode than you than y'all did, I guess. Either that, or you skipped. Was it an after the credits scene? It might have uh, been. Let me see. No, because I saw their conversation that they flash back to in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay, it is before the credits. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just how. had a compl- I just had a completely different read on it. I don't know. Go rewatch that scene then. Anyway. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway, it does it doesn't matter. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah, cuz uh there's this is a, another so, great episode. So, Angie's real name is Charlotte cuz she's really the princess, but we don't know No, and the princess is actually Ange. Yeah. Her, the princess's real name is Ange. Yeah. So, yeah, when she snuck out, when they swapped places the first time and she snuck out of the castle and got a look at what the real world was like, that had to be, uh, well, she even said it, it was like one hell of a shock. Yeah, I I really liked the interplay in this episode. Um, I, I especially liked how, oh gosh, it was um, Ange talking to... Who is she talking to? Why well, can't I remember this anymore? The little girl. Yeah. The pickpocket. Yeah, yeah like the, the 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 yeah the little girl with like the flower basket or whatever. Yeah, the, the pickpocket. Pickpocket. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I liked how they were uh, revealing all that stuff that way, um, as sort of a partly because like Ange always acts very aloof. Um. Yeah, and she and she always she always deflects things by like saying, "Well, you know, this is how we do things on the Black Lizard planet," and yeah, <clears throat> you know, and so she tells like her story and that of uh, and that of the princess as as a like Black Lizard planet story. Yeah, so it, it's it's neat to see her connect with someone other than the princess. Um... And uh, I I like how she does it just because like also it it almost very much seems like kind of just what she does as a spy as well um, because there's almost sort of a disassociative thing there where like as long as she can keep her identity kind of at uh, an ar- as long as she can keep her history at an arm's length then she can take on whatever role she needs to at the time uh, so yeah that's that's pretty neat too i'm kind of just babbling at this point i'm not really sure where i want to go with this critique so well what i I like is the part where they're observing the lord to find out who's visiting him and the ninjas hanging upside down you got a lolly ninja hanging upside down in a tree that looks like a bat in bloomers yeah Yeah. she say why are you why are you hanging like a bat yeah she, and, you know, it pictures her in several outfits, but the first one, the way the cape is draped, she looks like a blat, bat, bat, and red bloomers hanging upside down from a tree limb. I'm just sitting there trying not to laugh hysterically and ended up doing it anyway. I am the knight. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then the, uh, I'm, uh, conning the uh, flower girl into crashing into the lady with the veil so she could find out who it was and then there at the that, concert that was real good and then there at the concert she's talking to the lord says yeah okay so uh you've been meeting with this person you shouldn't be meeting with this person uh and he's like uh, should i just defect now she goes no but i can get you out of the country if you want 
So what are you? Oh, just a spy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we, yeah, we get again. her spy guess again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, the girls having absolutely no compunction about immediately revealing their secrets. She's the prince. Whoever. She's the princess. You think that guy's going to go? She told me she was a spy. You know, they cut heads off for things like that over there. Oh. This episode was incredible. Yeah, it was real good. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a five. Five. Yeah, I can, I can go with the five also. And then, right. and then Ange goes and uh, sort of takes revenge on the uh, the guy. Um, Just run in the pickpocket. Pick yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, that was real good with the anti grab device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Throws him around and then gives the kids a ticket to the orphanage that she never got to go to she just became a well yeah see that's got to be a problem because Ange started life as a princess and then reverted to being Ange and yeah they, there's got to be some conflicts going on inside of both of them but I'm sitting at the piano at the end playing the duet was good yeah that was real good I was like <laughs> when she's using the anti-grav thing to, to toss him up and down Whenever she uses it, the music kicks on. Yeah. Also, also we find out that uh, uh, this world kind of went through its own little French Revolution a bit. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's a, that's why that's why the uh, the country is divided into the kingdom and the commonwealth, and that yeah. it's because. Well, it's actually because what happened what happened to what happened in Albion was an incomplete revolution <clears throat> in which the revolutionaries only t- only took only took half the country uh, you know so so there all right yeah so uh yeah I believe that'll be it for princess principal let's move on to hell girl episodes five and six. I I think the the storylines in these two episodes were okay. Yeah. Um they were fine. Like it didn't really grab me like some of the others did. Um but like they weren't bad. But uh the one thing that really gets me is like the the morality of Hellgirl is weird, y'all. Yeah. And is a little bit hypocritical. Yeah, it, it goes back like, and forth on its own. Because it's because because uh, uh, the black-haired hell girl. Because uh, later in this episode, later in episode five, uh, sorry, in episode five, we get a second hell girl. Um, but she's all yo. Uh, but she's all yo. Uh, you took revenge on people who burned you to death by like spirit burning them to death. Uh, you've committed an unforgivable sin. Uh, so now you have to help people, like, force force other people into hell. It's like, how is that better? It's not. It's punishment. <laughs> like, well, no, I mean, just, just the idea of, like, hell girls, like, oh, yeah, no, this, this hell girl stuff is fine. But, like, turning into, like, the spirit of fire, that's not okay. <laughs> it it five and six were weird. Also, seven came yeah. out by the way, and it was a uh, uh, they they started the reflection episodes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that, which is why I didn't bother watching episode seven because I recently finished watching episode six like today. Oh, uh, so yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't watch episode seven because I knew it was a rerun. <laughs> the, yeah, so the I, opening of it is pretty good, though. They they did it in like weird cardboard cutouts. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I feel like whenever Hellgirl tries to make some sort of point about the weird Hellgirl system that's going on in this universe, <laughs> it's it's just kind of dumb, really. Well. Uh, okay well <laughs> yeah well actually one of the things that you know this is like watching these watching these episodes sort of got me thinking like about the logistics of being a hell girl <laughs> really i realized that i realized right, that everyone bake out everyone break out your excel sheets and slide <laughs> rules now you think about this okay you access the Hell Girl. You access you access the Hell Girl by logging onto this website at a specific time, and then, and but then okay. But the question is, is that like how many places can the Hell Girl be at once, or do they have multiple Hell Girls who go to, who who basically take care of di- each of uh, different cases? So, I mean, apparently, according to episode five and six, there are multiple yes. hell girls. It's just this is like the hell girl for this specific part of Japan. Yeah. So that actually, so that actually, like, this actually resolves like a question that had been nagging in my mind all season, which is well, like, <laughs> I think they they spoke a bit about that in, uh, I think the second the second uh, series. But yeah, the second because the yeah I remember like uh, one of the previous seasons actually showed uh, Enma Ai's backstory and how she became the Hell Girl. You know, I, I mean my my real question is like, does Hell Girl have IP bans on uh, uh, known like accounts <clears throat> from 4chan and Reddit? Because like you can't let 4chan and Reddit get a hold of the Hell Girl website. Like they'll just start putting sending people to hell just for fun. So they don't care. So one of the things that's explained in in the original series is that it's not simply like oh this guy needs to go to hell and you send him there. There needs to be like an absolute fury. Oh okay, so you you got to feel it in your very bones that that dude has to go to hell. Yeah, and in fact that's that's what happens right. in one of the episodes that uh what the character wants to send someone to hell um before he does something to his friend. Oh, okay. And she basically comes on as like, "That's not how this works." Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. The new girl who'd been like hanging around on the edges all season. Uh, her name is Michiru. And oh yeah, the the yeah the girl who got burned to death horribly. Yes. She'll be all yeah, right. Cause, she got yeah, because like the uh, yeah, I mean, because actually that episode five really got to me because. Like, I was just furious at the whole injustice of what happened to her. I mean, yeah, that, that's and kind I... of the huge deal with Hellgirl. Yeah. With, with so many of the episodes, it's just, this is messed up. Yeah, yeah. and I, and yeah, which is why, why I feel like even at the end of episode uh, five, I'm like, actually, Hellgirl, you are wrong. <laughs> I totally agree with new Hellgirl. This is messed up. <laughs> I think you're dumb. 
Uh, yeah, so, like, the, the message that they tried to say about, like, the Hell Girl system, I feel, fell flat with me, because my, my opinion was completely in line with the new Hell Girl. Um, right. But, yeah. And so, and, yeah, and so episode six shows, like, uh, Michiru, Hell Girl Michiru's first, you know, first full-time case. Yeah, which is punishing punishing a dude who just like randomly decided to just beat a dude to near to death, like into a coma, which he then does and eventually die from. Yeah, I don't know. Like these episodes were fine. Uh, I feel like episode six was a little bit weaker. But I don't know. Um, I thought these. Yeah, were, I, I thought these were solid episodes, and for the most part, this was a solid season or half season. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. Um, I might check out some more Hell Girl again. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> in the future. But right now, I want to catch up on Dragon Ball Super, which I am so many episodes behind oh man yeah, I, I stopped I'm, I'm like i stopped i'm like 70 something episodes behind that's i stopped at like episode 44 <laughs> dang yeah, i wanna I, I wanna get to kale and cauliflower because <laughs> episode seven starts to reminisce episodes and it's actually episode three from the first season okay sure is it like greatest hits or something? Yeah, yeah, that's basically what they're doing, I think. It's like the Hell Girl, the reunion tour. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give episode five a four and episode six a three. Uh, I'm gonna give both of the episodes fours. Yeah, I think they were both pretty good. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you're gonna find you're gonna find when you get in when you, well when you start catch if when you start catching up with the first three seasons that the quality is kind of uneven. You know, <laughs> some, some like yeah, some episodes are. I mean, some episodes are brilliant. Some just don't do it. I mean, that's kind of how it was with this season too, though, yeah. uh, especially with like that one that was really overwrought. Episode, it, like was, the uh, first two episodes of this season were real good. And then the next yeah. two were pretty bad. And then the last two were alright. Uh, episode yeah. four was pretty good. Episode three yeah, I, Episode three was really the only weak one. Episode three was pretty bad. Uh, the the nursing home one, that was episode four, right? That was, yeah. uh, oh, that okay. was pretty decent. Yeah, I, I actually like the one. nursing home I actually like the nursing home uh, episode more than five and six. But I I know, I'm weird. Um, uh, anyway, I, I also have real bad news. Yeah. Um, Princess Principal is only slated for 12 episodes. That said, it may get a second season, but currently it's only slotted for 12. It better, because, like, there are so many way more mediocre shows that have gotten, like, three or four seasons. <laughs> also, we've gotten up to Case 20. So, there, there's, there's... What happens to the in-between cases? We need those, too. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Seems, so we're skipping. Seems like we're been, skipping. Uh, sorry. It seems they've been skipping around in, in Princess Principal with the case numbers. Well, yeah, but I mean, 
just we we clearly need the in between episodes too. You yeah, can't just it, leave it, us. It, it wouldn't be Princess Principal if they were keeping it chronologically consistent. <laughs> All right, uh, so we're going to be skipping uh, Fate Apocrypha uh, for now since um, uh, Ben did not get around to it this week. So here's something uh, so interesting in- uh, yes. for Hell Girl, the script yes. ri- written. Uh, same person wrote the scripts for episode two and four. The same person wrote the scripts for episode one, five, and six. And then episode three was written by a different person. Oh, okay. That explains a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, especially since, like, uh, two and four were my favorites, so... Yeah. Nice. All right. Um... I thought you were about to say an episode three was written by Mario <laughs> That would have been great. <laughs> also, it seems the other Hellgirls were basically the same. Like uh, the the uh, season three was written by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different people, or ten different people worked on the script rather. Oh, geez. And two was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And one was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven again. Also, we we missed the Princess Principal, uh, Dustin's waifu. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, Charlotte. Yes. Not Charlotte, uh, Dorothy. Dorothy. Why am I saying Charlotte? Dorothy. Dorothy with with a little bit of wine. A whining With Dorothy. The wine and and the painting, well, admiring wh- fine art. Wh- why? Because Dorothy's a classy lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how how did she get wine in her high school dorm? Dorothy can get wine anywhere. <laughs> where where was she storing that wine? She's uh... she's Dorothy. Probably look. <laughs> I'll tell you when you're older. Oh, <laughs> thanks a lot. She has ways. Uh, also, look, Dorothy's probably been smuggling wine into places since she was 14. <laughs> She's gotten good at it. You think so? Also, Beatrice with this weird thingy. Oh yeah. Oh the... yeah. What, what what the hell was that? It looks like a lamp. It. Yeah, but it like moved like a. It's a. It's a spider lamp. <laughs> Ooh. There you go. Guess uh, I guess Beatrice is turning in is turning into the gadgeteer of the party. Honestly, like the the thing that creeps me most out about that particular screenshot is the photorealistic owl in the background. <laughs> Wait, oh god, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's just staring at you. It's just staring right at you. Wait a minute, I missed that. <clears throat> oh yes, now I see it. Yeah, it's just. I, I think I think the creators like I don't think they even drew that. I think they just photoshopped a picture of a stuffed owl into the into the back of the background. It is entirely possible. Also, you have your choice of uh It's terrifying. Of these three for okay. uh cover art. Okay. First first one is pretty solid. Okay. Both are both are good. I think third the third one fits. Oh, the okay. So yeah, the third one is good. That that would make for a good album art. I like the composition on that for yes. album art. 
Anyway, that's enough talking about that. That shows. This is, this is totally going to convey well over an audio medium, Aaron. Hey, you know what? If they don't like it, foo. Hey, audience, we we just looked at some really good photos. Yeah. Just just letting you know. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Well, you can always link them. You know, Aaron can send you the links, and you can link the pictures. Oh. Oh my god, it's been half an hour and we've only gotten through two shows. Let's talk about Awari Monogatari. Oh, oh, oh well, wait, you got another more. hour? You got another hour? Oh my god, Aaron. No, no, they scrolled the no food eating thing on the washing machine. Mm-hmm. Because of the one that was sitting on it eating food all the time. The gal who looked like... Oh, you right. noticed the gal who was putting the food in the machine resembled the gal from... Um, oh. Little Witch? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, uh-huh. Yeah there, yeah, there was some, uh, I think there was some uh, sharing of imagery here. <laughs> Do not eat here, honor your washing machine. <laughs> honor a washing machine, senpai. Yes. <laughs> Awari Monogatari, episode two. Season two. Ep- episode two. You, you sure? Itagi Rendezvous. Yeah, huh? All right. I heard now- all that. Bye-bye. This was a very entertaining episode. It didn't really further any plots at all, but that's okay because it was uh, Hitagi interacting with Araragi, and uh, that's good times. Yeah, Yeah. especially when the third thing out of her mouth was, you gonna marry me? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I mean... Yeah, I mean, because, like, the dynamic, the, the whole dynamic with their relationship is basically Senjigahara gets her way all the time. Yeah, which honestly is is what Araragi needs, because we see, we saw from Kizumono how his relationship with, uh, with Hanakawa is, <laughs> and it's it's just kind of not good, because neither of them... Like they're they're both in their own ways cowardly, so it just ended with them kind of endlessly circling each other, neither of them ready to commit <clears throat> to anything. Whereas with Senja Gahara, she is. No, oh, she just she takes charge, is what she. Yeah, does. like, yeah. Other than kiss shot, Senja Gahara is the most forceful person in this show. I don't know. Kanburu can be. Kanburu can be, but Hitagi is very much like we're doing this now. Yeah, my way. Uh, and and that's what Araragi needs in his life is someone who like keeps him honest and forces him <laughs> to not constantly like mm, beat around sorry. the bush. <clears throat> Hitagi forces Aragi to speak, basically. She forces him to act. Uh, And Aragi likes that about uh, Senja Gahara. And Senja Gahara appreciates, you know, how... how can I guess like her thing with Araragi is that Araragi, despite being kind of a coward, is also extremely dedicated to the people he considers friends. 
And so Senjigahara appreciates his loyalty and knows that she can kind of push him around a bit. And not only will he be okay with that and actually kind of need it, but like he he won't get ticked off about that. He will like stay loyal to her because you know they they need each other basically. Uh, uh, they is called right. dependent or codependent, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, which yeah, of course that plays into <clears throat> you know her needing a you know, her needing like you know someone loyal by her side. You know that plays into the whole backstory that was uh, yeah in, in uh, Hitagi Crab way back when. Yeah, because even yeah, because with her backstory, like her whole whole thing was even her own parents betrayed her uh, and abused her. Um, yeah, and and so now she has all these people who she can depend on, uh, and Araragi is kind of the one that starts all that and is the most dependable. Um, I so normally I really don't like the doll character at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what her name oops. is. Uh, Ononoki. Yeah. Ononoki. Typically, like I do not care about Ononoki, but her segment in this episode was actually pretty funny. <clears throat> yeah. Let's see. Let's see. There was that bit where there was that bit where. <laughs> yeah. When. Uh... When, uh, when, uh, Tsukihi comes in the room, you know, she just, like, turns into a doll. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, and then she's, Tsukihi just carries her away. (laughs) My favorite part, though, was when she's, my favorite part, though, is when Ononoki is talking to Araragi, and she's like, yeah, so, uh, uh, until I I see the Kishot has gotten to full power again, so uh, I was just thinking, like, uh, I spent a lot of my time back when Kishot was still little Shinobu. Uh, I would uh, boss her around and tease her a lot. And now I am terrified. <laughs> Which was uh, a really good joke. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and then... Yeah, and then there were sort of uh, some... Uh, there were some. There were also <laughs> some segments uh, dealing with... Uh, Dealing with Ogi, which were uh, interesting and kind of, uh, you know, foreshadowings. Yes, uh, the for uh, what's gonna for what's gonna happen in Ogi Dark. Yeah, because Ogi's like, nah, it's I totally didn't have I totally didn't send anyone to murder you. You can totally trust me, and everyone's like, no, we super can't. Yeah, it's like why why would we ever trust you, Ogi? It's like been there, done that, read the book. No, it's not. You're not telling the story right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Ogi's like, why would I ever lie to you? It's like you you sort of super already did, Ogi. <laughs> Like back during the previous Amari Monogatari arc, yeah, it's like uh, uh, you, you, she almost she almost sounds like a uh, modern day politician. Would I lie to you? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, good time. Oh God, then we have then we have the sequence where Hitagi was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, I learned to drive." Oh yeah, he's like, "I'm gonna get in a car with her." Uh, yeah, Aragi's like, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she says, I got bored, so while you were messing around, I decided to learn how to drive. 
Now I I've been through that and have <laughs> I love how she responds to that like uh Aragi saying like if if you don't pass your exams because of this it'll be a problem and she'll be like that's fine I'll just break up up with you and start dating Conbury. <laughs> <laughs> she is his foy. There is no doubt about it. She completely and totally <laughs> enjoys putting him on the spot. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, then they uh, talk a little bit about uh, Hanekawa and how uh, our our and how uh, Hitagi lets him know that she. Um, uh, well, Hanekawa actually. Uh, to, uh, specifies not to tell Aragi anything because she knows that Aragi will obsess over it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, some good times in this episode. I enjoyed it all the way through. Five. Yeah. It was. It was very good. I liked all of their interactions. <coughs> I liked the stargazing. Uh, I liked the them at the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Uh, I give this episode a five. Yes, I do also. I mean, just just for her her blunt uh, proposal, it was, that was worth a five all by itself. Yeah, and the pay yeah. and the, like the what and what especially got me was the payoff at the very end, where it's like, you know, okay, call me by my first name. Yeah, and like, and so he finally calls her Hitagi, and then she calls him Koyomi. That was really <laughs> yeah. sweet. All right, let's talk about Hero Academy episode uh god was it just 33 I can't remember yeah, it was just, there was a skip yeah. week for Hero Academy yeah it was yes. 30 yes yeah 34 skipped we learned about the backstory of uh all for one and one for all yep uh, uh this is of course we in order to get there we have to slog through a uh dumb sequence where Mineta, the trash child, tries to peek in on the uh, uh, girls' locker room and gets an eyeful and gets an eyeful headphone jack for his trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, her couldn't name happen. is uh, her name is Jiro, by the way. Yeah, and couldn't happen to a nice little creep. Yeah, please, please just never show Mineta again. Just, oh no, the, the just, it, next week's I, the. Bi- I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know he's going to still be in there, but I'd prefer it if he would just leave the show and never come back. Uh, um, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, but there was a, there was a, also a neat sequence. There was also a neat sequence where, like, after coming back from their internships, like, they have they have to do that, like, res- like uh, <clears throat> rescue thing, rescue test. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was good because he, because uh, because uh, Deku starts uh, 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 being able to like uh, jump really well, and uh, his mobility is uh, really improved. But then he slips. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's really it strikes a really nice balance of showing like how far he's come and how far he needs to go, which I really appreciate about this show. Yeah. I think I think like like the only other show that actually 
strike you know gets like the comparable gets that balance just right like this does is Hunter Hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Hunter, because Hunter Hunter, like when it was like it it was it was all it was really good at you know showing like you know showing like you know Gon and Killua getting more and more powerful, and yet showing that there's still people out there that are way stronger than them, and they need to step it up. <clears throat> Okay. Yeah, I. Basically, we find out during the backstory that uh, uh, that All Might gives is that when the powers were first coming into the world, there was one guy who had the quirk to give and take quirks. Um, and he would use that power maliciously. He was kind of like the the main villain of the world and uh he gave his uh younger brother um a quirk to i believe it was uh, uh it was a stack power i believe yeah uh, but he didn't realize that that brother also had his own quirk uh which was to pass that power on um so like the sort of the origin of the the sort of greatest villain um, in the universe in in this in this universe also by accident created the the power that is the most likely to defeat him. Yep. Uh, and we learned that All Might thought, and we all learned that All Might nearly did defeat him, uh, but he still just somehow survived. As kind of like Deku's fate and the and the fate of all those who wield uh, uh, one for all uh, to try and fight all for one. Yep, it's uh... a <coughs> yeah. There, yeah. This was a great bit, and there's more good stuff to come. And, and yeah, and that... <coughs> go ahead, Larry. Uh, in the sequence uh, where he's trying to explain it to Deku, and Deku's like, okay, I got all this, and then we get left with the unanswered question, which All Might does answer at the end. He goes, yeah, well, I know you want me to be around, but I don't think I'm going to be around when you're going to need me. Yeah, because uh, yeah, cause, uh, All Might has basically superhero cancer, essentially. <laughs> Well, I'm yeah. wondering. I'm wondering if it's part of the the power drain from his quirk. Uh. Well, it's a. Well, yeah, it's a combination of the fact that it's a combination of the fact that in his in his in his uh, in his last fight with uh, All for One, he was seriously wounded. Uh. And also the fact that in the, by uh. <clears throat> That he passed on is that he gave all he gave all his power to Deku. So, yeah, the power that he used to have he doesn't have anymore at full strength. I see. I sees, he says. But yeah, so uh, there's not really a whole lot to sort of analyze about this episode. It is. Almost entirely an exposition dump, but it's an entertaining ex- exposition dump. Yeah. Uh, 
It's just, it's just there's not a whole lot of depth to get into. Uh, yeah, it's that... Alright, I mean, it's not... That's the thing about... That's the thing about My Hero Academia, is that it's not super deep. I mean, but it, like, it explores the themes that it does very well, and it just executes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just... It, its execution is on point. Which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'll give this episode a five. Yes. Same here. Alright, so let's move on to Rage of Bahamut, Virgin Soul. Episodes 18 through 19. Alright. These episodes had a... Especially episode 19 had a pretty heavy focus on sort of uh, Nina's relationship issues with uh, Cherios and the whole game gang essentially planning uh, a heist of his bracelet. Um, and plus you have, and also you have Nina and uh, uh, Maguro uh, meeting Azazel again uh, for the first time in a while and Azazel being ticked off at uh, Nina kind of uh, kind of unfairly because Nina did really want to help. She just didn't know, you know, why the heck she couldn't transform into a dragon at the time. Uh, and Ma- and Maguro also apologizing for not being around to help, but Azazel being much more forgiving of him. Yeah, that pretty and, much uh, that sums that part up pretty well. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, then you have uh, basically you have. Sherryus sticking his black knights on the red dragon, aka Nina. Uh, right, and the yeah. uh, and the the leader of the Onyx Knights is uh, evidently uh, recruits this uh, <laughs> super Hunter. super super dangerous guy. Yeah, a dragon yeah. killer. <clears throat> yeah. So, episode, there's a lot of, in episode 18 about, um, uh, sort of like getting the gang together and a bunch of pieces being put into place, um, and episode 19 well, is where it all before we falls leave, apart kind of metaphysically and sort of metaphorically and literally. Well, before we leave 18, the, the scene that caught me the most is when Nina was standing there screaming, I love you, Favreau showed up and decided that if she can do it, he can do it too. Yeah, and, I, I liked and the Favreau am- doing that. The amount of, and the amount of embarrassment that Nina was subjected to for that little outburst of hers is like, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm glad Favreau exists in this show. <laughs> uh... Let's talk about episode 19. Well, 19 is they're making the plan, and the thing that got me is they're making the plan, and Favreau goes, so what if I get caught? Nina just calmly looks at him and says, so I'll break you out of jail again. <laughs> and, and Favreau's just like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, I have to... Yeah, so- yeah, I'm sorry, that was one of my sorry. favorite scenes. <laughs> So, episode 19 really irritated me. Um, mm-hmm. 
So the whole thing with 19 is the plan's going, okay, um, everyone else is doing what they're supposed to do, except for Nina, who is making a huge scene. Um, she reveals herself in order to uh, have one more dance with Jerios. Uh... And then they meet outside, and she tries once again to, like, get him onto their side. And he says, look, this was fun and all, but this is not happening again. If you show up, I will arrest I, I will. I will arrest you. Mm-hmm. Like, you are going to the dungeon again. This is never happening ever again. And at first it's like, yep, this is pretty much where I expected it to go. And then Favreau shows up and holds with a crossbow to hold Sherios up. And here my anime trope senses are tingling and I'm not liking it. Nope. Uh, Because I know what this means is that Nina is almost certainly about to step in front of Favreau to stop Favreau from killing Sherios. And sure enough, that's what happens. (sighs) She sure did. Yep. Yeah, that was dumb. And the reason why this bugs me so much is that, like, they're trying to present Nina and Sherios as, like, these star-crossed lovers, essentially. And there are scenarios where that works. But But generally speaking, I'm not going to be too sympathetic uh, if if the man who's dumping the girl is fantasy Hitler. And, like, I don't even... I'm not even being exaggerating with that analogy. Like, the dude very explicitly wants to genocide people. Uh, Yeah. He wants to... Yeah, yeah, his his program is... His program is genocide of demons. Yeah, and also angels as they get in his way. Yeah. Like... He is actually like Hitler, except oh, he's is if Hitler was pretty. He's a pretty boy, Hitler, and it's like you have your main character saying that oh yeah, I'm gonna take a bullet for this uh, genocidal maniac because I love him. Well, okay, screw you. Well, wait a minute, now, 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 you're being a little harsh for one reason. Nina's age, her first love, yeah, she, you know, she gets dumped by the wrong guy and she admits it and, you know, she realizes that she screwed everything up, you know, pretty good. Here's the, here's the thing though, is that before I was giving her some leeway in that, uh, because like, she knows what he's done. She's seen his work firsthand. She feels guilty that she wasn't able to stop it the previous time. Um, and every other time when she's been forced to choose between her allies and Sherios, she's chosen her allies first. Sherios uh-huh. has occasionally bent to her will, uh, not the other way around. So I was, I was willing to give her a bit of leeway in that regard because it's like, okay, well... This whole thing seems to be like, well, maybe she can turn him around. Like, she knows what he is, but, you know, she also thinks there's evidence that, you know, she can maybe be a good influence on him. But in this, but in this case, where he explicitly tells her that, no, 
despite everything we've been to together, I am rejecting you so I can continue to enact my plans to murder a bunch of innocent, sentient beings. Uh, she chooses him over her friends and a bunch of innocent lives. Yeah. Uh, like, I, I'm not giving her leeway anymore. She is actually a horrible person. How about, let's say, very confused and misguided? I think, uh, yeah, love, love makes people stupid. Blind, too. Love love makes people stupid, uh, you know, if, if the, if the guy you're dating, like, gets into bar fights. The guy she's dating massacres innocents. Yeah, I think the, the the problem here is that the show was way too effective at making Cherios a detestable villain. And yeah. when they're trying to make him, you know, they're trying to make him into a more ambiguous figure, and it is not believable. Yeah, exactly. I would have no complaints <laughs> if, if Cherios's like, whole deal was a lot more nuanced if, like, he was a character who was, like, making decisions that were distasteful, but had, like, clear... Like, you could understand, you know, why he was making them, even if you thought he was making horrible decisions. You'd be like, well, in this scenario, like, I understand what he, why he's doing that to preserve himself and the citizens he cares about. But that's not what's happening with Cherios. He's just slaughtering demons just because he's a fascist. Because he's literally telling people, because he's literally doing like the Hitler thing of, oh yeah, you're alive, like all of your problems are because of demons. If we just kill all of them, you'll be, everything will be good again. Um, and they went too far with making, they, they swung the pendulum in the complete opposite direction and now, like, his actions are just so abhorrent that, like, he's a charismatic individual, but it's impossible to ignore what he's done. And it kind of erases any, like, charisma that he does have. Because it's like, no, you're just, you deserve to die, bro. Well, he's practicing yes. genocide. <clears throat> uh, then, of course, you know, if... Uh... If Nina had allowed Favreau to shoot him right there and then, the series would be over. Like, okay, I, I get that, but also I, I never consider that a valid reason for yeah, a, I know it's... Uh, for a character action. Like this, it almost feels like they had two different story ideas and they're trying to mash them both together. Yeah, I could see where you could get that. Yeah, it's it's like it's almost like one like one set of the create one part of the creative team was like, hey, let's do a uh, let's do a show where you know the humans are um, like massively overreacting to what the demons did in the previous season and just being horrible, and it's up to our uh, our old heroes and some new ones to save the demons and fight back against their human oppressors. And then another 
team had the idea of like, oh well, what if like you know we had this tale of uh, Nina the the dragon girl who grew up in this quaint village who got mixed up with it in political intrigue with this king, and the two got mashed together and it just doesn't fit. It just it just makes Nina look like a completely selfish and self-centered person uh and it makes the king look schizophrenic almost well, you know i would agree with the king being schizophrenic <clears throat> i'm wondering yeah, so I'm, like it, well i'm wondering what that band on his arm has done to his mind because you know the onyx knights are not what you would call your world's nicest well, guys, and they got the same band I mean, on their arms. Yeah, well, I mean, he was also doing that that stuff before he even had the band on his arm, before he even started using it. Like, back at the start of the series, like, you know, he was, he was going on a fun uh, date around the city with Nina, like, the day after he uh, had a bunch of his knights, like, literally crush demons under their feet. So he's always had that sort of weird, like, bipolar sort of character, but not like actual bipolar, just crappy writing bipolar. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite as down uh, on, the, on, on this episode as you are, but that, yeah, definitely not as good as the uh, previous one. I'm going I'm, I'm to give episode 18 a 4 and episode 19 a 3. That works for uh, me. <clears throat> I'm going to give episode 18 a 3, and this may not be entirely fair because there were some good parts to it, but episode 19 pissed me off too much for me to honestly give it anything other than a 1. Um, again, this is entirely my personal bias just because I have absolutely uh, no patience for a show. Uh, trying to make me sympathize about uh, a woman losing, uh, being rejected by Hitler. Um, <laughs> but that's just where I am at right now. Oh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm not being entirely fair to episode 19 because there were some quality bits in it that had nothing to do with Nina. Um, but it just ruined uh, the good parts for me. And that's honestly, I think, what I'm most frustrated about, because other than just this complete garbage romance plotline, I love this show a lot. It's it's the one I, it's one of the ones I look most forward to every week. Like the three I cannot wait to watch every single week are Princess Principal, Hero Academy, and Rage of Bahamut, and. This one plot line is just slowly dragging everything down for me. And I was even starting to actually like Nina. Like, the show was actually starting to pull pull me around on Nina being an actually pretty good character. And then this one just destroyed all that. Well, and then we've, uh, we've got the end of the it's episode. so frustrating. Uh, we've got the end of this episode, too, that uh, is going to raise a bunch of issues, uh because it looks like Nina and the Dragon Hunter are going to get, well, have gotten together. There's not any doubt about it in anybody's mind. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm really hoping... Uh, I, I 
In my heart of hearts, I hope this ends not with Cherios being redeemed, but with Nina killing Cherios. Uh, uh, that or because f- honestly, because honestly, I'm not sure if there would be a Cherios is redeemed plot line that wouldn't feel a little gross. Well, but who knows? The, the only thing I can say is, uh, you know, there's one character here that would probably be a satisfactory person to kill the king, and that would be uh, Rita. Rita would be good. Honestly, if it's not Nina, I, I, well, he he probably won't do it, just because Kaiser is not that sort of person. Yeah. But I kind of want it to be Kaiser. Well, it's going to depend on the situation that happens when this dragon slayer who has confronted Nina. We have to see how that all goes because Kaiser and the rest of them were just coming around the corner when this all happened. So basically, everybody but Nina, Bacchus, and the duck are there. <clears throat> all right anyway so let's go ahead and uh, start talking about maiden abyss episodes seven through eight where it turns out all this abuse that Odin was putting them through was apparently for their own benefit which you know doesn't make Odin less terrible of a person but at least it, it makes a little more sense now why she's doing what she's doing Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it seems to fit in with the way, like, this world treats people. Because, yeah. because like, the Abyss, I mean, has been, has been made, like, painfully clear, the Abyss is a dangerous place, and people need to be tough in order to face the Abyss. Yeah, I, I still don't think you're. I still don't think you're really supposed to be comfortable with Ozen's methods. Well, no. Like, yeah, because like, because like, even the other, uh, even even the other whistles that are with her think she takes things too far. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's harsh, but yeah, she's not like a person. She's not like she's not a likable character, but she's a character you can respect. And you know, and and the way she's established is very believable to me. Oh yeah, I mean, she's basically. I think she's uh, Rita's mom's best friend. Only she doesn't want to admit it. But yeah, I I'm not really sure how to feel about Made in Abyss anymore. Like, I'm. It's not like it's not that I'm not enjoying it. It's just lost some of the magic that the first two or three episodes had um i think partly because just i don't really like ozen much at all like she's an interesting character but i kind of don't like any of her interactions with the cast um and like the you know there there's been a little adventure but the actual process of that adventure is less I guess exciting than I was hoping it would be um it's a little bit of a disappointment it's been a little bit of a disappointment so far especially given how much I really like those first couple episodes uh yeah I think it's a slight step down but 
I'm still I'm still on board for this show. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens next because like we're finally moving on from Ozen, uh, which man I feel like that took way too long. Uh, we we did not need that to last nearly as long as it did. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping it picks back up again. I think that you know if if we can get these two with a stronger like some characters I actually enjoy again. Um, like that magic that I felt during the first couple episodes will probably come back because a big part of that was, um, sort of, uh, Rico and, um, robot dudes interactions with, uh, the rest of the cast. They were like, it, it was a little bit like stranger things in that regard. It's the, the, the kids had very good interactions with each other. And now like most of those kids are stuck back at the top of the world. Um, so I, I just I just need a I need them to rebuild that ensemble cast because this isn't enough for me right now. Well, yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna give uh, episode seven and eight uh, fours. Uh, I will give them both threes. I'm gonna give them a pair of fours. Uh, All right. That'll that'll solve that, I think. <laughs> okay. Uh, sort of, sort of skipped over a lot of Made in the Abyss, but like honestly, yeah, who cares? <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of exposition, a lot of getting ready for the next part. Um, let's talk about Alt- Altair episode uh, Shokoku no Altair episodes five through seven, uh, which were pretty good. Um, yeah, and I like. I like how the show was sympathetic to the difficult choice that the people had to make to do to like they chose to surrender and the show was sympathetic to that. Um and I appreciate it uh because like sometimes like if you want to survive like you've got to do things that, you know, sting that that hurt your pride um but the 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 these series of episodes like five through seven very much make the case that like ideals are good and all but they're kind of useless if they just get you killed for no reason well uh which 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 is what happens to uh the one guy at the end of episode seven where, you know, he, he refuses to bend the knee, he refuses to surrender, and he just gets murdered and accomplishes nothing. Like, he could have gone on to, you know, uh, build a, help build a resistance, perhaps, or, like, do anything else. Well, he was also <laughs> dealing from a lot of, uh, the reason that the city's burning is my fault, uh, and so, yeah, he, he yeah. took the way to fall on his sword, but... Yeah, I'm with you. He yeah. really didn't have to. He... And I think, and I think that's really cool too. Is that like um, the? I feel like the show very much takes the point that you know, killing yourself out of a sense of honor is also kind of dumb because who does that help really? <laughs> like, well, he probably wasn't going to be long for this world anyway. <clears throat> 
because <clears throat> you know, you know, even after they surrendered, I think uh, you know a lot of these senators, a lot of the senators, you know, that were probably going to be probably going to get killed off anyway. Just uh, oh yeah, po- yeah, certainly. But like, if that was going to happen, like, make them do it. Yeah, like. For, force them to kill you without provocation. Um, yeah. Because ultimately that is... That will show the true nature of the oppression better than, like, just running at someone with your sword drawn. Um, and... I don't, like... Uh, so I, I should mention that this this isn't me saying like, um, oh you know violence is violent protest is never the answer, um, because I certainly do not believe that is the case. I am a supporter of uh, the anti-fascist movement that's going on now, and frankly, I am pretty okay with people punching Nazis. Uh, but um. My stance is more, if you're going to be violent, be violent for a purpose. <laughs> yeah, hate for hate's sake. Which I, which, I, which I think this episode is very much about, is that it, it's not that, you know, he was... Uh, it's not that it's a bad thing to cling to your ideals and to violently resist. It is a bad thing if, you know, you, you do it just to lash out for for no purpose for no ultimate goal but i don't know maybe that's just my read of it no i think it's it's a legit uh yeah so yeah these uh this uh this was a this was a solid arc yeah, it it was also like a really kind of heavy set of episodes because it it represents like the first like really major loss um that our main character has has been a part of. Um like at, like everything goes wrong. Um and like despite all of his efforts, like the empire wins. Yeah. Uh and now now he has to go back uh, and basically, like, debrief everyone on his failure. Well, well, first, well, first he's, uh, well, yeah, well, first, though, he's going to, uh, he's going to Venedict. Yes, he, yeah. he, he's got a king that he wants to ask a question of. Uh, yeah. not a king, a doge. Or, or whatever. He's the dude in charge. Yeah, it's, uh. Yeah. Yeah, cause uh, yeah, it seems like <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it seems Venedict is modeled after medieval Venice. Yeah, it's 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 extremely French. <laughs> well, Venice, Venice is not. Sorry, Venice. What, what am I saying? Italian. Why did I say French? Venice is in Italy. Oh my God! Uh, wow, just okay. Just hey, kill me now. Oh, hey, you you, you got. Pretty worked up. Just take a deep Ooh. breath, and we'll go on to the next paragraph. Oh wow, that yeah. was a huge ge- geography failure, man! No, yeah, you but... were at least in Europe, damn it. 
Now, if you <laughs> said it was yeah. Australia, I would have questioned in, your sanity. I was in roughly the right area. Yeah, you were, well, yeah. close enough. So, yeah, you got remember over there, you, you know, they, everything's close. It's a 20-minute drive from, you know, Paris to... A few to, hundred miles off. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, a neighborhood. Oh, well, actually, Venice uh, was French for a while. It got yes, conquered it by Napoleon. Yep. Oh, right, so, yeah. So, see, you're, you're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I was technically correct for a very specific period of history. <laughs> Got that right. See, we're, we're so forgiving here on this podcast. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I really like, yeah, I really like, yeah, the way the world building, you know, you know the way the world building sort of mixes and matches history. You know, because each of, like, all the places, you know, all the places in the show are, like, you know, modeled after, like, real historical, you know, like, real historical countries. So, yeah. yeah so, so, so we get this this week's history lesson. It's all good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, good times. I'm, yeah, I really, uh... I, I really enjoyed these episodes. Actually, I'm going to give them fives because uh, they were just uh, spot on. Would be a they good were, word. Yes, they were. They were. Yeah, they were on point all the way through. I will uh, agree with Benjamin and hand him a pair of fives. Yeah, I can agree with that. I really enjoyed these series of episodes. This this arc was really solid. And yeah, you know, uh, the. Uh, yeah, the other thing about the the other thing about thing about the empire you got to respect you got to respect they came up with a really smart plan. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's actually kind of that's what I really like about this show is that the empire isn't just a a bunch of morons that win by sheer force like they are on equal level with the main characters uh, which is what makes them so dangerous. Yep. Like they are just as cunning. If not more so. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on and to our final review, which is of the Netflix series Castlevania. Oh, there's uh, there's more after that. You remember we're gonna review? Oh, right, the reflection. Yeah. You're right. Let's talk about the reflection five through six first. Let's let's do that. Yeah. Um, which so far the reflection seems to be like let's get the crew together. Let's let's save some reflected. Well, yeah, because uh, because it, it, what they're building up to is they're building up they're building up to a conf uh, a, like a conflict between two different factions of reflected, you know, over like what... yeah the the smoke and the the light I think it was yeah except it's not quite as simple as that because because uh, you're right because the per because the reflected they meet in episode five. Who's like you know? Who's like you know? V the girl who's like encased in metal. Oh right, she, yeah. She's a smoke reflected, but she's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, and her uh, yeah, her boyfriend who can who can sense who's like who's blind, but the only thing he can see is other reflected. Which yeah, kind of a neat kind of a neat uh, quirk. Yeah, it, it almost makes him like a much weaker form of Professor X, 
in that it's perfect for a leader role and almost nothing else. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was... Right, so yeah, so at episode five, you know, they're in New Orleans and, you know, they're, they're dealing with these... Uh, dealing with these anti-reflected cops. Uh, and, you know, and trying to protect... You know, trying to reflect protect the reflected in the city, you know, but then they get outflanked by the uh, bad guy reflected. Which, yeah. Which is... Uh, um, I'm trying to remember what episode... Uh, what episode five was about. I remember episode six pretty well. Well, cause that was where they, um, like basically find the, the hairdresser. Yeah. The hairstylist. Well, yeah, that's so uh, well, episode five is, uh, yeah, is when Eleanor gets captured, she finds that, uh, you know, you know, that the people who captured her had actually taken her in in order to protect her from the cops. Uh, Oh, right. Yeah. Just like, you know, no, uh, no, I'm going to fight. I'm not going to just run away and hide. You know, and then and then at the end of the episode they fight the cops and they win. But uh but they find that the uh the bad guys have taken away all the uh the people that they were supposed to be trying to protect. Uh So Yeah. Anyway, the little fight scenes were, uh, the fight scenes were cool. Yeah, I'm, like, the the show seems to have gotten comfortable uh, with its art style and is using it a lot better than it did in the first couple episodes. Um, and honestly, like, I, I'm finding it to be, like, a really pretty show. Um, now it's sort of, like, actually catering to its own art style. Uh, and I'm, I'm liking the plot line well enough. Um, yeah. I'm... I'm pretty comfortable with giving these two episodes for us. Yes. Uh, and also, a special shout-out, I love the opening theme. Yeah, yeah, I do. It's the like, opening theme is very good. It's like, it's just like, it is like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's what you think of when you think of superhero music. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's it, Yeah, it's a really solid opening theme. Um... Now let's talk about Castlevania, yes. the Netflix series, yes. which, talk about man, the voice acting in this show is real good. I was sort of preparing for the worst, but man, like, the dub is real solid. Oh, well, see, I did watch the dub. Yeah, the... Oh. Uh, yeah, because... Oh, you didn't? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, Harble Subs used, uh... Horrible subs. Uh, they used the sub for it. Oh, I actually, okay. I actually, I actually went to a. I actually streamed the. Uh, I actually streamed. Uh, I actually streamed it to get the dub. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I watched it on Netflix, and man, I especially love Trevor Belmont's voice. Like, I should point out that this Castlevania is a show where you're almost kind of rooting for Dracula to win. <laughs> Yeah, because, okay. man, the church, the church is such a bunch of dicks. 
Yeah, they're, the church is, like, cartoonishly monstrous, which, like, normally I'd, I'd sort of get a little pissed off at, but this show is very... It feels a lot like a throwback to, like, an like a, a 19... Uh, like a 19... Early 90s OVA series, what with its kind of, like, over-the-top gore and its... Um, and it's kind of like a sarcasm... It's sort of anti-hero hero. Yeah, over the top uh, gore. Yeah, it's it's very much a throw. It very, feels like very much a throwback to that sort of era of anime where it was like the whole manga entertainment. It's not kid stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Do not show this in front of children. No, <laughs> there is a there's a lot of murder, a lot of graphic murder. Sure is. Of, of demons ripping people's faces off. Uh, um, but, but yeah, so like the, yeah, there's like this human woman who falls in love with, uh, with Dracula and Dracula teaches her advanced science and she tries to bring it to the world. And then the church like burns her at the stake because they say she's a witch because, you know, if, if the people are enlightened, then they may, drop away from the church they'll no longer have to rely on the church uh for you know uh uh for everything so the church loses power yeah uh, yeah and and so and so like every priest uh in this show is just a awful like monstrous person and you super want dracula to just murder the hell out of them <laughs> Well, you know, I was, I, I have to admit, I was rooting when Dracula sent in the hounds, okay? Yeah. I'm sorry, I mean, I kind of was too. I, I'm not usually that bloodthirsty of a person, but, you know, after the way uh, characters were being treated in this, it's like, you know, all right, fine, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, interesting, yeah, I actually... Like actually watching this watching this show actually got me motivated to do some research on on of the historical Vlad. <laughs> it was it was actually kind of illuminating because like I was wondering you know you're wondering it's like wait like why didn't Vlad stop them from burning her at the stake in the first place? You know, and it turns out uh, historically. Uh, Vlad was actually out of circulation uh, from, like, was out of circulation for over a decade. And he only came back, he only came back in uh, 1475. Oh, yeah. And he even kind of alludes to that, because he was was talking about, like, how the only reason he didn't arrive in time is because, you know... Uh, she she wanted him to experience the world as humans do by like walking around like a normal person instead of just using like sick Dracula teleports. Yeah, yeah. Histor- the historical Vlad, uh, he was actually let's see, he was actually king. He was actually king three on three separate occasions. Yeah, and, and obviously the real Vlad couldn't do sick Dracula teleports. Right. Yeah, and so like, yeah, and so the real Vlad. Uh, spent like uh, thirteen years basically in prison in another country after he lost his kingship for the second time. <laughs> uh. 
so um i so yeah i mean aside from is, like yeah aside from like the vampire stuff it sort of kind of scans <laughs> yeah 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 uh, like i said just don't show and, it in front of small children definitely not I want to mention that I enjoyed Trevor Belmont far more than I thought I would. Generally, I'm not a fan about... I'm not a fan of, like, uh, aloof, kind of jaded asshole protagonists. Um, But Trevor is the right balance of asshole and genuinely funny dude that it works, like, perfectly for me. Yeah, right, because... Because the thing about that, uh, yeah, because the thing about that kind of character, like the reluctant hero, is that you need to make it clear at some at some level that they are, are still a hero, uh, because and not just uh, and not just you know an asshole who's getting you know dragged into the adventures, but someone yeah. who someone who still at some level you know, believes in doing the right thing, even if he's been discouraged by what's happened in his life. Yeah, exactly. And, and and Trevor very much is that guy who when when push comes to shove, he may act like a jerk and he and, and, you know, he is still kind of a kind of a jerk, but he'll do the right thing when push comes to shove. He's not just gonna let a bunch of innocents die. Yeah. Um and there are some pretty pretty satisfying spots in the show where he just wrecks some priests, including one dude who gets his eyeball just removed by his whip. Yeah. Totally had it coming. Totally uh, yeah, had it coming. Most, most cathartic eyeball removal in anime history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which actually kind of brings me to another point. Like, the whip animations in this show are beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially when, uh, especially during his uh, Trevor's fight scene with Alucard, that is like a gorgeous fight scene. Yeah, on the on a technical level, yeah, they were they really brought it. I got gotta respect that. Uh. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil too much because I like I honestly do think. Um, it's a really solid show, and I, I, a really solid show, and people should definitely watch it, and I don't want to spoil too much about it, because part of the fun is just, like, seeing stuff happen and being surprised by where the show goes. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, like, there's only one problem, it's incomplete. Yeah, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's not a complete show, uh, it ends very much on a cliffhanger on the fourth episode. Um, and, like, there, there will be another season that has already been confirmed, but yeah, yeah it's, it's not complete yet, so just be warned. Yeah. Um, but the, but the stuff that is there is very, very solid. Um, I have to admit, when I first heard that there was going to be a Castlevania animated series on Netflix, I was extremely skeptical and was kind of prepared for the worst, but... I had a ton of fun with it, and like the they there aren't a lot of a whole lot of female characters, um, but the mage girl that they do have is super good. Well, yeah, even Dracula's wife was she was an appealing character. 
You can understand. Yeah. You can understand why Vlad would want to murder everybody to Avenger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, like this is a show where, like, you're definitely rooting for Trevor to uh, stop Dracula's massacre, but also you kind of want to. You kind of want Dracula to get a few wins in on the church. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it's a show where Dracula is not unsympathetic. Uh, which which I which I, I like I appreciate that because um, it makes a little more uh, nuance because like uh, Dracula is obviously kind of you know getting a bunch of uh, um, innocent people caught in the crossfire but also you know you definitely understand why he would be so angry that he just doesn't care anymore um, and it's also hard to argue with his point of like can they really be called innocent when they just sat around, sat by and watched my wife get burned? But yeah, so at, everyone watched Castlevania. Just don't show it to your child. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a person who doesn't sleep well after seeing stuff like that, don't watch it either. Alright, uh, anyway, so that'll do it for this episode no, of podcast. We have listener Maybe. questions. Maybe. Oh, we do? Okay, we have we got some listener questions. I thought it was... In uh, 338. Okay, there's some in there. Oh, yep. Yeah. We got questions, we got questions. Oh, okay, wow, yeah, we do. Man, I, I did not notice. Uh, Alright, so let's uh, start with Day Rip. Uh, on My Hero Academy, I think the point of the non-heroic activity we saw in some of the internship was to give credence to Stain's complaint that there were few true heroes anymore. My take is that the viewer isn't supposed to sympathize with Stain, but we are supposed to believe that his twisted philosophy is based on a genuine issue that he is responding to in a completely terrible way. It was really unfortunate that one of the most prominent female characters got the hero-as-fashion-model approach, but I know that the hardening, hardening guy and turned to metal guy's internship with forearm guy wasn't exactly brimming over with heroic, heroic activity either. Luckily, Sue's anime original episode number 32 helped make up for it. Um, I'd actually disagree a little with uh, the, the, two, um, the two dudes who have the hardening power. Um, because the whole point of that internship was um, forearms, uh, I can't remember what his actual hero name is. Um, but his whole thing that he was trying to teach them is that, uh, like, hero work is not always, like, glitz and glamour and, and sweet fights with villains. Like, it's also doing community work and, like, giving back to, you know, your city and doing stuff that's kind of humbling. So, I kind of actually disagree with that take on that, that, you know, it, sure, it's not brimming over with what we consider traditional heroic heroic activity well but it but it is the sort of activity that i would want to see heroes do yeah but it's not the, but it's lives. but it's not the kind of activity that stain imagines a true hero doing yeah well stain's also an idiot so yeah. right <laughs> um whereas like with the whole fashion model thing like that what does that give back to the community um, that, that's, that's the issue I had with that fashion model thing is like, there were some like very basic attempts to like hand wave that as like, oh yeah, this makes sense as a hero activity, but I never once for a second bought it. Uh, it just seemed like a complete waste of two good characters. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, I, I definitely get where David is coming from. And I think that, 
uh, from Stane's point of view, that that makes sense. I just kind of disagree with the um, with the idea that uh, the for the forearms internship uh, is. I, I would not classify that under the same. This was yeah. a waste of space yeah, the, internship as the fashion model one. Okay, so the the stone guy, the stone guy is uh, Kirishima, and the metal guy is Tetsu Tetsu. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, regarding Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul, I'm a little conflict about the demons. The season has really played them up as humans with horns. We get little demon kids and demon folk going around trying to live their lives, and Dustin rightly refers to their treatment as racism. Except I still remember how they were portrayed in the original series, and it was as a powerful supernatural beings who had malicious intent for humanity. So it's given me kind of whiplash to see this humans with horn take on Baja Soul. Especially when their counterparts, the angels slash gods, still retain a lot of that supernatural being with plans for humanity mystique, even as they are people too. I'm not sure I exactly want to see the show justify the human treatment of demons, but I think it would have added some depth to remind us what they were like before being brought low. If the show had included some reminders about how the demons as a people went in for torturing humans, using them as food, casually murdering them, etc., then the story gets more nuanced as a story of the oppressed becoming the oppressors, committing the same sins they suffered out of a desire for payback. Make it clear that poor treatment of demons isn't driven exclusively by the king. Most humans want to see demons suffer for reasons that are that are understandable. Which is a point that I was uh, thinking about making like a couple days ago when I was thinking about what I'd say about Baja Soul, and I completely forgot about it. So thank you for making uh, my own point for me in probably better words than I would have been able to improvise, Dayrith. Um, but yeah, I absolutely agree with that take on uh, Baja, how Baja Soul is handling uh, the demons in this particular arc. And that, yeah, like, uh, humans have an understandable reason to be super pissed off at the demons. Because the demons did kind of try to massacre them in the previous season. But also, um, that doesn't justify humans in turn massacring them back um because the demon threat has been taken care of they're not a threat anymore um like they have been punished uh so i i absolutely think this show would the it's its whole thing with the demon versus human conflict would be a lot more interesting if it was about like um what is like what is justifiable in retribution um uh toward a uh, toward a toward a nation you have been at war with like when should you lose a grudge uh when sh when should you treat uh your oppressors as human beings as equal to you again when should you like uh sort of let go of the leash um, and it's something that, like, we have ourselves struggled with in real life, like, when our countries have gone to war. Sort of going back to the sort of Nazi analogy I made before, with Germany at the end of World War One, you could probably, you know, pretty convincingly argue, um, and I would generally agree with the sentiment, that Germany was pub uh, punished extremely harshly in World War One, more than they really should have been. Um, and that laid and, the groundwork for World War Two. 
Yeah, it, it absolutely did. It, it led the groundwork uh, for a uh, for a fat uh, for a fascist uprising to take root in Germany um, because they kind of felt like the whole world was against them. Uh, so, a, a discussion of like how should nations treat each other, um, like when they've just been in a war uh, for their very lives, like that is an interesting plot point. That's an interesting discussion. What's going on right now in Baja Sol is way more black and white and not particularly interesting. So I absolutely agree with Dayrif's uh, take on this. Um, moving on to Princess Principle Episode 4. I at first wondered how exactly they managed to capture that room full of scientists at the end and get them off the ship. My guess is that originally the story had them assassinating the scientists, and then it was decided that was too dark, even for this show, so it was hand-waved to capture that somehow... Uh, so it's, it was hand-waved to a capture that somehow happened, happened off-screen. Um, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, at this point, like, I, when I... Honestly, I did not even think about that. That's, I'm honestly, that's honestly something I'm surprised Aaron didn't uh, bring up, because he's usually, the, he's usually the type to bring up that sort of stuff. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um... And finally, uh, uh, last part of Dayra's question. Well, not really a question, but comment. Uh, I mentioned this in a previous comment, um, but though I like Made in Abyss a lot, I am having increasingly uh, tr- increasing trouble sympathizing with the goals of Rico's quest. It seems to be a fool's errand, an impossible mission done for lousy reasons. I like characters cheering. I like cheering for characters trying to do the impossible in pursuit of great ends. But I have a hard time understanding Rico's obsession with trying to reach the bottom of the abyss, or why she thinks what she'll find there would make her happy. As for Reg, he seems completely adrift. Okay, um, this was actually addressed in episode eight. Yep, sure was. <laughs> um, partially, I, I don't. I, I think that. Uh, I think that um, putting too much of it on like the magical revival box is a mistake. Um, I think that's certainly part of it. Uh, but I also think, like, Rico, just in general, is a very restless person who, like, wants to know more about the Abyss, and regardless of how foolhardy it is, like, you know, she has to know. Like, that is her driving goal, is she has to know. Um, and, like, I, I myself would not share that same opinion i would want to stay as far away from the abyss as possible but i can understand that motivation if i was an adventurous sort of person yeah going i might go down eventually but i'd wait until i completed my training first yeah yeah definitely um so and, and part of that reckless recklessness you know you can you can uh, hand wave off to the magical device, but I, I kind of like doing that too much because it feels lazy. Um, so I, I prefer to think of it more as just like Rico, just in general, much like her mother, is just a very restless person. Like, yeah, she could wait, um, but she doesn't want to. She wants to know now. She wants to know. She wants to meet her mother now. She wants to see more of the abyss now. And yeah, it's, it's dumb. Uh, but that's just what Rico is. Um, so yeah, I, I I I totally agree. Like I I don't necessarily sympathize with Rico's uh, motivations a whole lot, but I do understand why she does the things she does. Um, 
And I do think that you're completely... I do think that Dayrif is completely right about Reg being completely adrift, because, like, honestly, he doesn't know what his... He doesn't know what his purpose is. He doesn't know who he is. So he just latched on to the, the person he initially... who he first felt like could maybe help him find out what his purpose is, and that's Rico. Um... But yeah. Uh, well, let's move on to Bannerock, who uh, left the, who left the comment this time. Uh, first of all, thanks for making me watch Made in Abyss. Would probably not have checked it out if it wasn't for you guys. I got a question too. What do you guys watch that you don't review this season? I'm curious, especially about Larry, because he is the one that seems to stealth watch the most shows. Uh, uh, which I, I believe Larry answered that in the comments section, actually. Well, some of it. I, I answered part of it, but not all of it. And I actually have been stealth watching a lot. Yes. Uh, ben, Benjamin's stealth watch ratio is double mine. Uh, right. Although I'm a few episodes behind on some of these shows, on actually many of these shows, uh, but yeah, I've been like I've been watching, uh, I've been especially enjoying, uh, let's see, uh, Gamers, which <clears throat> was is it's a light novel adaptation, a light novel adaptation which is like a completely daft and hilarious uh, rom com. Where, you know, it doesn't turn into a harem, it turns into a insane, like, romantic, uh, like, romantic pentagram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so what, so that, so that way they could summon romance Satan? Yeah, something like that. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's also, it's also actually has, a. It's also really smart about how it portrays uh, gamer culture. Uh, So, anyway, uh, good stuff. Also, uh, yeah, also, uh, I'm enjoying uh, Mahojin Guru Guru, which is a a parody of uh, old-school JRPGs. So, like, like, several sequences are, are, like, like rendered in sprite style graphics. So like when the uh, like when the like yeah, like when they're traveling from like you know, when like the characters are traveling from place to place, it cuts to it cuts to like a scene of them as sprites moving across a screen. Uh and like a lot of the narration is done in like text boxes. It so it plays with the look and feel of old school of like old school JRPGs, huh? Interesting. Uh, yeah, and <clears throat> yeah, and and it's very it's very self aware about how it uh, yeah about how it plays with all those tropes. It's uh, really amusing, and yeah, and the main like the main couple is really appealing. <clears throat> so, uh, good show there. Uh, also, yeah. Uh, also, there's uh, Kepeki Danchi Aoyama-kun, which is actually kind of like uh, is actually kind of like Sakamoto Deska. You know, so it's about like this like super talented, super talented soccer player with a massive case of OCD. Uh, 
uh, who's, who's like this super clean freak, and like, everybody loves him. Because like, you know, yeah, and so like, he's got like a fan club all over the school, all over the school, even though he, he like, you know, and he like, he hardly, he did, he like, he doesn't say much, <laughs> you know, but, uh, when he does say stuff, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, a large, a large part of the show is how the other characters react to him. And, uh, the humor, the humor works more often than not. Uh, so I'm enjoying that. And, uh, and, uh, Nanamaru-san Batsu, <clears throat> which is a, basically a sports anime about Quiz Bowl. <laughs> huh. We're like, yeah, we're like, yeah, the main character, the main character is this, like, this nerd who, like, who, who, like, had no friends and would basically stay in the library and read books all the time. And so he joins there, he joins his, he ends up joining his school's, like, uh, quiz bowl team. <clears throat> you know, and it starts getting into, like, like, how, like, comp- how, like, competitive quiz shows work. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so it's sort of like, <clears throat> so he has to figure out, like, even though, like, he knows the answers once he's heard the question, but a lot of the times people can figure out what the question is, like, even before, like, they've read the full, read the whole thing. And so they buzz in with the answer even after, even before they finished reading the whole question. And so there's, like, an element of strategy to that that's uh, really interesting. The only problem, That's... the only problem with it, is that the uh, the voice actress for the like the main the main girl is kind of low energy. Oh, but like I mean, I'm kind of okay with that, honestly. Yeah, it, it's a I'm, it's a I've I've had my share of high energy female voice actors. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the main, but yeah, and the, and the the weird thing about it is like the character. The character, you know, she's like this, you know, like super hot girl who's really popular, but she's like, like completely, like really enthusiastic about, about quiz ball, you know, and so she's, she's obsessed with it, but she doesn't give off, like she doesn't her like the way she delivers her lines is like kind of chill, sort of a, it's a weird contrast, uh, but like the story and the characters are fun. Right. Anyway, yeah. uh, we're nearly two. We're nearly at two hours, so I'm going to quickly go to Fabulous Blues yeah. comments. Okay. Well, other than utter I'll trash, put, I'll put stuff. what I've been watching in the post. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, also we can go back to uh, your stuff uh, on on the next episode. So. Yeah. Um, other than utter trash to your stuff like Triage X or Handshakers, I can't think of that many truly abysmal shows for the Dustin Luke Dustin Luke segments. I mean Vatican. Oh God. I mean Vatican Hyman Detectives is classic terror bad material. Uh-huh. Uh But you need to watch the first four episode arc to understand how truly bad that show is. I'm not sure the point is to flat out cause aneurysms, though it's hideous pacing and ridiculous twists. Through its hideous pacing and ridiculous twists. How about going the Simpo Gear route and checking out a few episodes of shows that, while not considered great in the traditional sense, might at least lead to some fun chats? Here are a few examples Konosuba, 
one of the first and arguably best self-aware isekai shows. It's legitimately hilarious in places, although the MC skeeviness and occasionally uh, aggressively mean-spirited humor has always swung the pendulum between love and hate as far as I'm concerned. It also has one of the best group dynamics I've encountered in a while, counterbalanced by the fact that the entire cast are utter, utterly hopeless trash. <laughs> uh, Komodo Friends. Everyone's favorite post-apocalyptic happy fun time kids show, at least since Adventure Time got stuck up its own ass. The trick is to keep watching until you recognize it as the best show of the year. Uh, I guess since I still haven't gotten around to Komodo Friends, that's actually a very good idea for me to introduce Luke to. I actually, I that in mind. actually, I discussed, I discussed K- Kimono Friends. Uh, you did. In, in, I, I, in, I great, know. in great detail, and I thoroughly enjoyed that show. Yeah, I also want. I also think that is actually a pretty good idea for me and Luke to do. So, yeah, one, I guess all of us will eventually succumb to Kimono. <laughs> um, you think? And finally, uh, Fibrain, the greatest anime ever made. Anyone that claims it is somehow bad or merely okay hasn't ascended to the point of recognizing the show's true genius. Join us. Join us! <laughs> so, I remember reviewing Fibrain way back when the first ep- first season came out, and I think I made it through about five episodes and call it quits, because, like, this show is garbage. <laughs> so... I enjoyed it. It was kind of dumb in places, but I still enjoyed it. And, yeah, the the problem is, is that it is 75 episodes. Oh, God. (laughs) Why? Because they made three three seasons of it. That's more than Code Geass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't understand. I guess they had yeah, to like, compete with Reinhardt. I don't know. I, I suppose I suppose going going back to Five Brain could be an interesting idea, but like, uh, I'm I'm pretty sold on that Kimono Friends one. Konosuba could be a, a solid one to go to uh, since uh, we did do smartphone. Um, so yeah, those are both <clears throat> solid suggestions. I have been trying to like not go uh, too heavy on like the this kind of like gross incestuous slash pedophilic kind of shows uh which are sort of the easy targets um and going toward more just bizarre or completely dumb shows which also are easy to mine for comedy uh so yeah i have been trying to do a mix so uh those are good suggestions yeah i yeah i watched all of konosuba and i really liked it a lot okay uh, I think this is just Fathomless Blue's, like, uh, not-so-secret attempts to get me to validate his opinions, <laughs> or just brain- or, or brainwash me, I'm not sure which. I think, the, I think, I think, yeah, I, I've, <laughs> yes, he's tweeted about Fibrain before. Yeah. And- I, I think, I think more likely it's the latter, he's trying to brainwash me, because I'm pretty sure Fathomless Blue doesn't care about me validating his own opinions. <laughs> Yes, he wants you to join the Firebrain cult. Oh, God. I don't know. I, uh, oh, God. I, I left him an interesting response to his interesting response. You'll never take me alive, Fathomless Blue. Uh, I don't think that was the plan. Alright, anyway. Uh, so... <coughs> oh, God, it's it's way too late. Let's end this. Uh, this has been another episode of BakaCast. Thank you for joining us through this 
massive slog. Uh, I, as always, was your host, Dustin, and uh, you can find... You can send us comments or questions, much like our good friends, Dayriff, Banarog, and Fabulous Blue, over at our uh, website at www.audioentropy.com or at www.projectharhi.net. Hashtag join the conversation. <laughs> please, actually, don't do hashtags, please. Yeah. Um, um, or you, or you can tweet, or you can tweet at me at Stills the GM, and you can tweet at me at, at DeathFlunky. And you can leave me comments at Harhi because I don't do any of the above. And without further ado, Ben, Dustin, three, two, one, Kiribos. Uh-huh. We're still to watching anime because terrestrial TV sucks. Bye. Except for Preacher. <laughs> yeah, so hi, Luke, again. <gasps> oh, God, I got my head above water again. Yeah, yeah. We're, <sighs> this time we're not watching something that can get the cops called on you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh. Yeah, oh. This, this, this time we're talking about a show called Spirit Pact. Yeah. Which is much more a sort of traditional action show about a dude who gets... Much like in the isekai, isekai vein, the dude gets murdered immediately. Yes. <laughs> oh, is that a normal thing in that genre that wasn't just another world with my smartphone? Yeah, no, that's a common thing in isekais is that either, like, they get... And it's usually a vehicle, because, like, in... Uh, in Yojo Senki, this, like, the asshole in that, uh, who's the main character, uh, gets, like, pushed in front of a train. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty common thing in Isekai's to die first and then I get gotcha. reincarnated. It doesn't always happen, but it's a thing. But anyway, yeah. yeah. So, this is an Isekai, though. This dude just dies and then becomes a ghost, and then... This extremely pretty man says, "Hey, you want to be my ghost partner?" Yeah, it's um, having only watched one episode of it, it feels like the start of a romance between those two characters. But I, my guess is it's just super queer, baby. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that too. Like, it's not Yuri on Ice where there's actually probably something there. It's yeah, like I mean they have. They have rings. He's like, hey, put on these matching pair of rings and we'll be ghost partners. Right, exactly. But, yeah, there's no... It, it seems pretty clear that nothing will actually happen. Right. Actually there's happen. definitely a moment, though, where, like, when he sees the, the pretty man for the first time, like, he gets the full-on, like, sparkle close-up treatment. Where it's, yeah. like, that you usually see reserved for love interest. Like, like I said, it feels very queer, baby, to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh... There are only apparently ten episodes, which is not a whole hmm. lot for yeah. a Shonen show. Honestly, I'm not sure if maybe like there's going to be more seasons, and it just hasn't had the second season yet. I don't sure, know. sure, I, sure. I don't really care enough to find out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hate this, but also it was just very like whatever. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of dislike the main character, and I appreciate that that the show also thinks he's kind of obnoxious. Yeah, uh, and it kind of lampshades that near the end where the evil ghost girl tries to trick the uh, the exorcist, and then he's like, "I knew that wasn't actually the dude I want to make my partner." And right, because he wasn't annoying disguise. enough. <laughs> yeah, he. Yeah, you weren't obnoxious enough. Yeah. To be to actually be him. 
Yeah, the so this guy is like a fortune teller, and he talks about how he has like this prestigious family lineage from like in medieval days his family was like the royal exorcist for the Japanese emperor. Uh but nowadays he's just like a poor street rat. Please stop. Still, I think he's rather tasty. That's that was a little free singing for you there. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, <laughs> he does some fortune telling, <laughs> uh, and he's just kind of a dick. Yeah. Also, like he runs a computer, like a computer part repair shop or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because shop. there's a scene. Yeah, he runs a. a... He's like, gotta pay the bills. Waka waka. <laughs> right. Yeah, he runs a computer repair shop, and he explains that he usually can't afford to buy new parts, so he goes to salvage them from the junkyard. And like the first, like you know, uh, collision with the like supernatural is he sees the pretty man chasing a barefoot girl through the junkyard and it turns out she's like an evil ghost or whatever but when i first saw that and just like the shot is just a barefoot running through a junkyard i got so like worried yeah. about the tetanus risk yeah it's like oh god it's like yeah like you, please you no shots like you're just you gonna shots, be right? riddled with tetanus and hookworm please put on some yeah. shoes before you go to the junkyard yeah, you are you are gonna get lockjaw. That's gonna happen to you. Ugh, just gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then while he's walking home from that, he just—it's—it's it's not really clear if he kills himself or not. If he like purposely walks into traffic. Yeah, this is one of the most unclear. Uh, murder slash suicides that have happened in an isekai and or uh, supernatural show. He's like walking down the street thinking to himself about how his life sucks and he bets that if he dies he'll be reincarnated uh, as something better. And yeah. it's not clear if he purposely walks into the street because of that or if just he's not thinking and walks into yeah. the street. Like, but he gets he's... hit by a truck. Yeah, because, like, when, when you initially see him, he's walking on the sidewalk, or I think, like, very close to the sidewalk, like, right on the edge of yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah. And then a truck comes by, and the truck seems like it's gonna be fine, and then suddenly he's right in the middle of the truck's path, and it's like, the truck accidentally swerved? Did he suddenly move three feet to the right? Right, <laughs> right. Sure. What's going on here? Yeah. But then, uh, so, he wakes up, and he's a middle schooler now. Because apparently you are your most innocent, happiest form when you're a ghost. Yeah, which, like, whose most innocent, happiest form is high school? Who is... It wasn't even high school, it was middle school. Who's happiest in middle school? Yeah, I mean, like, at least in high school, you have more agency. At least I can believe someone was happy in high school. Yeah, middle school is go, a miserable time for everybody. Yeah, you can go to, like, PG-13 films when you're in high school. You can get a driver's license when you're in high school. Right, yeah, you can imagine that your life will be full of success and happiness and won't be a screaming nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, he's a middle school the, boy now. Or at the very least, go real far back and be like, I don't know, eight years old. Sure, yeah, yeah. Which is what the the evil yeah. girl is in this one. She it turns out she's like a serial killer, but yeah. her like ghost form is a little girl because that's when she was the happiest and most innocent. 
Yeah, I mean, eight, eight years old. Eight years old was pretty good for me. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty good for most people. It's you know, unless you got some real bad life circumstances, eight's a hard age to fuck up. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to remember that timestamp. Oh right, I'm shoot. <laughs> it's fine. I, was, I had to do it. La- I had to do it two, uh, a couple times back as well. Yeah. During one of the other episodes. Yeah, I always forget that this is this is the one audio entropy product that is a no cussing clause. Well, not no not no cussing at all. It's just like no hard cusses. Right, right. <laughs> uh, no, no rated R cusses. Right, right. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they meet a girl as a. Ser- I guess we're going. I guess we're going by like chronologically i guess so yeah. he wakes up in his like teenage form and then he meets the very pretty dude who he thinks is a sorcerer right well and the one thing i was gonna say too is that once he's a ghost they don't do it enough but they start like playing with the idea that like they, they get a little looser and off model with how they draw him which i like as a touch but i wish they'd gone a little further with it yeah like just emphasizing that he doesn't have a physical form anymore so yeah. like he can just do whatever like the big the main thing they do is they keep anytime he gets excited or something they draw his head as way too big for his body yeah i i, I did like that um when, yeah and like to be fair this this episode did have some actually fairly good jokes occasionally yeah like overall this was an okay show yeah um but yeah then the other note I had that I wanted to touch on was, like, when he finds out that he died, it's from, like, a news report where a truck hit him. And they're talking about how it was, like, the 50th truck accident this week. And the reporter's going off on this whole diatribe about how trucking companies are putting too much load capacity in their trucks, which means trucks can't break in case of emergency properly. And it's like, is this, like, is this an actual issue in Japan right now? Yeah, I... I think it. I wonder if almost it's like a sort of tongue-in-cheek joke about how many, uh, how many shows these days have someone being killed by a truck. Oh, or that could always get killed by trucks. Yes, yeah, I can see it either way. I can I, see it as that, I or I can see it I, as that keeps happening as a premise because it's a real issue they're facing right now. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's an anime in joke, but I, I'm I can't really tell you if that's an actual problem in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I know I know the suicide rate is an actual issue in Japan. Right. Is that cuz I know it used to be like horrendously high. It's not as bad as it used to be, is it? Uh that's a good question. I hold on. G- Google save me. This is not this this is not a uh a horribly depressing thing to Google. No, 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 no. Gosh. Japanese suicide rate. Yeah, cuz like there was a time like like 5 10 years ago where they had the highest teen suicide rate and it wasn't close okay so actually uh by 2016 it's uh according to wikipedia by 2016 suicide rates had reached a 22 year low of uh uh 21,764 that is men decreased by 1,664 uh and women decreased by 597 so it is decreasing in recent years that's good apparently so good job everyone yeah (laughs) <laughs> anyway on this segment for once yes it's still much higher than every other country but right but they're they're in the go in the right direction yes Ugh. anyhow yeah 
Let's not talk about suicide. Let's not. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of, like, the ghost girl kidnaps him and t- t- lure the exorcist man towards him. There's, like, a weird running joke where he thinks the exorcist man is, like, a Korean pop star. Yeah. I, wasn't, I don't know why. Yeah, I don't either. Like, I don't know if that's, like, a cultural reference that I don't have the context for or what. But. Yeah, I I honestly wasn't sure if that was supposed to be, like, a joke or something. It might have been a joke about how he has, like, it might have been a joke about how he has, like, dyed hair. Maybe. Because he's got, I, he's got, like, white anime hair. Yeah, maybe. I, I have no idea, yeah. to be perfectly honest. No, me neither. There's a lot about this show that occasionally I just don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he like chases him down and the, the, they pulls out and they, they're like wedding rings with a shackle between them. Yeah. It's, they're like wedding rings that you might find on extremerestraints.com. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but he puts them on and that means that they can share his crazy spirit power and they beat the ghost girl. Oh, by the way, if if you are listening to this podcast and you are under 18, please do not Google ExtremeRestraints.com. Oh, God, no. Please don't. <laughs> or at least make sure your parents aren't looking when you do. Yeah. Because, listen, <laughs> I, I was 18. I know you're gonna. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't judge you. <laughs> Anyhow, I think I think that about covers it, doesn't it? I mean, like, yeah, I guess, like, yeah, he hands him the rings, and then, like, they, the, the, the ghost girl tries to possess him and make him an evil spirit. Yeah. And then, like, he gets the ring, and then there's a bunch of shonen energy that bursts out because they get a uh, ghost married. Right, right. And then, the, and then the little girl is defeated, and she's like, please forgive me, I'm, I'm just a little girl who is wronged. And I give me another chance. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> off, uh, off to hell with you. Yeah, uh, which seems bad. But then, like I said, you have the flash to the fact that he was actually a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Probably had it coming. <laughs> right, probably. Um, but yeah, that's, that's spirit packed. Like I said, it seems... Fine. Like, it's not... I wasn't, like, offended by anything in it or anything. Yeah, no, it's mostly just a, a very... A very middle-of-the-road shonen yeah. show. Yeah. Like, if it was something where someone told me, Oh, you should watch this show, I would say, Eh, alright, well, the first episode didn't do much for me, but I'll, I'll give it another shot. But without that, like, yeah, why would I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's not... A whole lot of point to it. Yeah, it's just kind of. I don't know if you've watched every anime ever, then I and you're still hungry for more shows. I guess this one's fine. Yep, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do we want to do a silly rating for it? I kind of don't feel. Yeah, like we, we usually don't. I, I usually don't give ratings on this show. Yeah, it's true. I, I kind of don't feel up to it for this show. Right. It's like a, you guys give it a, like five, right? I'd give it like a two or a yeah. three. Yeah, I agree. A, a three seems appropriate. Yeah. Now I just need to figure out what we should watch next. Yeah. What do you got so, for us? So here we go. Let's see here. I'm uh, looking through um, 
let's see. I'm looking through the uh, uh, fall 2016 season right now. Uh, I, I'm looking for candidates. Oh, okay. Right. I forgot that this got a, another season. All right. So how do you feel mm-hmm. about a show no. where there are girls? Okay. But also they are jet planes. Alrighty. Also, they kind of don't wear pants. Well, yeah, why? You said girls, I assumed. So, uh, <sighs> we're going to be watching Brave Witches. All uh, right. Cool. In September of 9th. This is actually a sequel series. Okay. Uh, because the only thing that could make this better is jumping into the first episode of a sequel series. Just right, like, right. Does it have here. a special subtitle? Uh, no, not this one. This okay. is just a name. This is just like uh, one of those sequels where they change one word in the name. I see. So, what's the name so, again? So, in Brave Witches. Brave Witches. So, okay. In September of 1944, thanks to the actions of the Allied forces, with the 501st Joint Fighter Wing Strike Witches, which, P.S., was the name of the first season, mm. at their center, the neural nest in the skies above the Republic of Gallia was eliminated, ensuring the security of Western Europe. The Allied forces took advantage of this victory to plan to take their resistance to Central and Eastern Europe in earnest. At their base in Petersburg in the Empire of Arusia, the 502nd Joint Fighter Wing, Brave Witches, prepared to re- to receive orders to deploy. So I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know anything about Strike Witches other than there are girls who are jets who don't wear pants. Right, and that's right. that's basically it. Uh, I did not realize that it was alternate history World War II, essentially. Yeah, I, I will say, immediately, this already makes so much more sense than Cancol. <laughs> <laughs> because Cancol had yeah. some weird abstract layer to it where I'm not sure the girl boats actually exist. It's like a Toy Story thing, maybe, but maybe not. And also they're fighting, like, eldritch horrors that are sexy women. Yeah, look, I don't, I don't understand Can Cole either. Oh man, did Can Cole ever get a sequel series? That one uh, was, that one was a thing. I, that's a good. Hold on, let me check Crunchyroll because no, it's just the still, it's still just the twelve episodes. All right, well, good. <laughs> so, I mean, if you want, if you want to watch more Can Cole, you, there's twelve no, episodes. No, there. I'm pretty not sure really. you only watch like two. Yeah, I forget how many I watched. Oh, the main thing I remember. Is that the uh, unseen commander character actually bought one of the free-to-play energy restoration things for the main girl once? Okay, I kind of love that. Uh, yeah, there were things about it that were like very winking and like <laughs> tongue-in-cheek in a fun way, but eh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, let's uh, let's have fun with with some brave witches, I guess. I guess. Now, yeah, like we we had we had our like breather there with a show that didn't feel bad, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Let's go back to one that does make us feel bad about ourselves. Cool, cool, great. <laughs> All right, talk to you later, Luke. Bye.